You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that can help detect inflammatory conditions on the uterine lining that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. If you've experienced implantation failure or multiple miscarriages, ask your doctor about Receptiva DX. Uterine inflammation, if found, can be treated, providing a new pathway to achieving a successful pregnancy. Receptiva DX, because the journey's worth it. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Carrie Bedian from the Fertility Center of Las Vegas for another back for another episode of Fertility Docs Uncensored, joined by my two lovely, hot, sexy, stunning, <laughs> sensuous, simply tasty snacks of co-hosts, uh, Dr. Abby Evelyn <laughs> from Nashville Fertility Center. Thank you for that intro, Carrie. <laughs> and Dr. Susan Hudson from Texas Fertility Center. Hello. Hi. How are you, Carrie? I am just fine. And I'm trying to figure out a way to use um, tasty snacks in a sentence again. It doesn't make me sound like I'm ancient. Tasty snacks. Wow. (laughs) Um, I like it. (laughs) So it's Valentine's Day at the time that this episode is uh, playing. And so we were, of course, in the fertility world, that leads to all sorts of avenues of discussions about sex and conceiving and relationships and all those things. So we'll get into that in just a second. But what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? If anything, because there are some anti-Valentine's Day folks out there. So I don't want to make assumptions. I'm a romantic at heart. I love concept of Valentine's Day and all the things that go along with it. But, um, you know, when you've been married 25 years, you know, it's not quite the same as when you're married like the first year. But um, usually it always revolves around chocolate for our family. And so I usually buy my husband this chocolate heart and it has like candy in it. It's really yummy. This year, is it like I'm, the five dollar one from Russell Stover? No, it's not. It's like the sixty dollar one from Chocolat, but it's really cool. You know, to be able to eat the box and everything. Oh wow! So this, Wait, this you can year, eat the box? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a chocolate. It's literally a chocolate heart, and then you pick all the chocolate that you put in the box, and it has a lid on a chocolate lid on it. Oh, that is cool. These it's people are cool. talking about like, cool. okay, sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Cool. Okay, no, that's so, okay. So probably do that, but also just when I bake, I don't really, I like to make cheesecakes and things like that. I don't really like to make cake cakes, but usually when I like to, to do you call it baking when you make candy? When I like to make candy, whatever that's called. Confectionary. 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 Yeah, confectionary. yeah like Willy Wonka. So um, like I like to try and make <laughs> divinity. And finally, I did like four or five batches of that over the years and finally have gotten that down. And, uh, and but recently I made some pralines and I've, trying to get that down. And finally, I was I was successful recently. I made this, it's called a Hershey Hershey's chocolate pralines. It's basically mm. chocolate praline with pecans. And not everybody likes nuts in them, including my husband, but really good. They're like, that they sounds amazing my, to me. I'm like, chocolate and nut are like the perfect combination. Yeah. And just like pralines, I like that texture of like when I eat something. So anyway, so that's probably what I'll make my husband is some Hershey's chocolate, chocolate pralines for Valentine's Day. How about you guys? What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day itself, we have two basketball games. (laughs) (laughs) You're not playing in them, right? I don't think we're going to be doing a whole lot then. But the following weekend, I think, isn't that, um, is that President's Day? 
weekend. Yeah, weekend, I think. Yeah. That's President's yeah. Day weekend. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little getaway to the beach and that type of thing. So that'll be oh, fun. That'll be fun. So that'll be fun. Um we have a really terrible track record of you just you have a bad track record for Valentine's Day. We do. And it's not, it's not because we're both not trying our hardest. It's because and and honestly, the bad track record is me. It's not my husband. He tends to <laughs> knock it out of the park when it's his year to plan. But for mine, I've like bought great bottles of wine that turn out to be essentially vinegar. I have <laughs> dropped steaks all over the rocks outside of our house. Um, I have set off the fire alarm. Like you name it, I have done it. And so this year is it this year? This year, this year it's probably my year because I think he did last year. And and so I am. Um, well, give us something um, to talk about on our next episode, Carrie. We can we can hear what ha- what you happened with your Valentine's Day events. Yeah, <laughs> I I I really have no idea how I'm going to keep myself out of trouble. Like I've even picked restaurants to go out to, thinking I will take all responsibility off myself. And it ended up being the worst restaurant that we had ever been to Aww. in the, at that point. You know, five six years that we had been together. And to the extent that we were thinking about like, do we need to write a terrible review on this place? And we don't like, we don't do that stuff ever. Yeah. So, so I I do have a little bit of PTSD with respect to Valentine's Day. And <laughs> I not yet decided. Chocolate covered Oreos. Are- but I give you kudos. Y'all keep on trying. We do. We do. We're, I mean, we're both type A gunners. And so we keep on trying and I keep <laughs> on failing, um, which yes. You can't is- win if you don't play, you know. That's true. And I am playing, but oh, good Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. If any <laughs> listeners have any ideas for what I should do, oh, for yeah, that's a good years, idea. by all means, let me know because uh, foolproof for this type of thing is better. I can plan a regular date night, but if it's a big occasion, forget about it. The wheels come off. You know, living in Vegas, though, Carrie, you have a lot of options there, though. You have like all these cool shows down on the strip. I'm not taking my husband to a strip club, Abby. I know that that's no. what you and your husband do <laughs> every other weekend. But we're not going down to Sapphire's or the Hustler Club. We're just not. Hey, how about pole dancing for couples? I bet they've got that in, somewhere in Vegas. That would be a unique experience to have, <laughs> you know, for Valentine's Day. I think that's what you should do, Carrie. Okay. That's my vote. Okay. I will take that <laughs> under advisement. How about um, a couple's massage? Then it's like <laughs> a little less dangerous. <laughs> that is a little not less dangerous. You go wrong with that. I'm, it's less likely that I'm going to fall off a table and break a leg. Yeah, we, we don't want you injured. <laughs> All right. So on that note, do we have a question? <laughs> We've got Perhaps. a couple. Now, I'm telling you, because I, I have these two together, the first question I want you to just really answer, the question that's asked, not the rest of the information that you want to keep on talking about, because I know the two of you, because the second question is when you get to delve into that. Okay? All right, You're deal. You're tweaking my interest. Okay. All right. So our first question is, My husband and I are both 43, G0, P0, newly married, starting my third combo IUI process. How do I know if I truly ovulate with the trigger shot? So IVF cycle or IUI cycle? IUI. Well, I mean, we can't really see it on ultrasound. We, you know, we look at the follicle, um, can measure the follicle based on the size. We know the follicle is mature. When we give you the trigger shot, we assume that you ovulate. We assume you're going to probably release the hormone itself, luteinizing hormone on your own. But sort of in addition to that, we give you some additional Ovidrill. And so, you know, if we really wanted to know, we could figure out after the fact by checking your progesterone level around day 21, 22, or 23 to really confirm that you ovulate. Of course, at that point, it'd be too late to get pregnant. So generally, if we give a trigger shot, we feel like on your own, you're going to make luteinizing hormone, but then that's just going to just 
kind of push you a little bit further to release that egg. And there's really just not a good way to see the egg. The egg's only one cell big and we can't see that it's been released out your body cavity or into your tube. What are your thoughts, Carrie? Oh, I would agree with that. I mean, you can check progesterone afterwards. You could theoretically check an ultrasound later to make sure that it's it's uh, been released and it's no longer there. Um, both those things will drive up the cost without necessarily giving you a whole lot to do after it. So I kind of agree with Abby. Like the effect, the effectiveness of an HCG trigger is is pretty high. So now I want to know what's the other question. Yeah, I, was what's the say, I feel like this was a trick question, Susan. It's not a trick question, but I know y'all were going to get stuck on the fact that she's forty three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Fine. All right. So here's my next one. Hi. Love the show. I've been married one year and am 43. We've been trying for one year. My history never took birth control um, IUD for four years, removed last August. As a kid, cycle was every 90 days. After IUD, it's every 29 days. AMH is 2.8, AFC 16, HSG and saline ultrasound normal, progesterone at 20 and 21 at progesterone at 20 at 21 days, FSH normal, only abnormal was testosterone and high TSH, normal after taking Synthroid for six months, DSH is 3.1. They say that I do not have PCOS, but I have wondered about this my whole life. Just started Ovocetol this past year, had two chemical pregnancies in one failed IUI. Husband's sperm is, is remarkable, they say. I am curious, should I start the Ovocetol and continue trying naturally, try another IUI, or go straight to IVF with my age being a factor? You go first, Abby. You know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, and I'm going to say the exact same thing. So everything about your history sounds wonderful. You have a great AFC count. You have a great AMH. Your progesterone looks good. Your HSG is awesome. Your husband's sperm count is good. Unfortunately, and I hate to be the downer here, but your age, and I know you've heard this before, it's just a negative factor. I mean, it's just, Unfortunately, the great majority of eggs that you release, even though you probably release one every month, is genetically abnormal. And it's only if we can find that one kind of needle in a haystack, that one egg that's normal, put sperm with it and create an embryo, that you really have a good chance of getting pregnant. If you were 25, about half of the eggs that you release um, in a year are genetically normal, and therefore you have way more chances. So my vote would be at age 43, if you want a chance of getting pregnant with your own eggs, really, I would vote IVF because, you know, as Susan has said before, we get a year's worth of eggs at one time. And essentially that will give us a little bit more to choose from. At 43, sometimes people don't stimulate a bunch of eggs. But in your case, I would say the good news is your egg number is really high. So probably we would get a decent number of eggs. The more eggs that we get, it's just a numbers game. The more chance we have of finding a genetically normal embryo. So I would go to IVF very quickly. I would too. Um, I would make a vote for you probably have PCOS. You don't mention anything about the androgens involved and that the androgens are the male hormones. They can be either through testosterone was at was high. Oh, done and done. Yeah, Um, there you go. You hit the criteria. You have irregular periods and you have high androgens and away we go. I want to interrupt and and make it statement that realize that just because you don't have irregular periods now, it is still part of your history. And the fact that you're 43, as we've talked about, that you have that ovarian aging, when you decrease the number of follicles and eggs that you have, we often see people who had, quote, PCOS, you know, that the classic, you know, not having regular periods, they then become having regular periods um, one way we used to treat PCOS was with ovarian drilling, which was yeah. a process where we <laughs> essentially went and destroyed eggs. Damage. 
We, yeah. we went and damaged eggs to decrease the number of eggs that a woman had. So though you don't have irregular periods now, I totally agree with Carrie that you, you, you have PCOS. I mean, you're 43, you have great ovarian reserve, and that's because you started off with an exceptionally high ovarian reserve. Mm-hmm. And how would you think that that would impact? I mean, how does that make a difference in terms of our overall recommendation or my overall recommendation, maybe your overall recommendation too about IVF? So I think some of this comes from just the perspective we have as REIs, because when we have patients come to us, it's because they have acknowledged in their life that having children is important to them. And so particularly when you look at the remaining facts of 43 makes the odds a little bit steeper, then we tend to be more aggressive right away because all of us have seen not on not on a yearly basis, on like a monthly to weekly basis, patients who come back who are extremely regretful, why didn't I do this sooner? Because now they're in a position where no matter what we do, they have to go to donor egg. It's no longer an option, what have you. So for you, I would say for a 43-year-old, you've got the best of all odds. Your yeah, egg counts are too. high. You're cycling regularly. Like if we're going to do this, let's do it. Because waiting... So let's say you wait until your cycles are you know, now absent or really, really close together, indicating that, that there's something that's really, truly going wrong, most likely of a related age. Well, if we do something at that point, our results are even lower. So why would we wait? And so the way that I always advise my patients on this is think about this 10 years in the future. Let's pretend that absolutely everything goes wrong. Let's pretend you don't have kids and think about what you're going to regret versus what you're not. Most people who are you know, dedicated enough and determined enough to come to a fertility doc, that means that having children is really important to them. And so mm-hmm. most of them will say, yeah, I want to know that I at least tried the best that I can because doing more IUIs is you know, going to spin, spin your wheels. And if you think you might be okay with not having kids and it's more important to you to go in a more natural route, absolutely. Try on your own, do an mm-hmm. IUI or two, whatever. But, um, but that's kind of all. My perspective as someone who is trying to help you not not have a ton of regrets later on, um, because because we see an awful lot of that, and it's it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of things I'd like to say. Um, I think we'd all agree your TSH should probably be a little bit lower than what yeah. it is. You said it was about three. We would like it to be less than two. So, a little bit tighter c- control on that. Um, and again, just reiterating what Carrie and Abby have said about that when we're when we're looking at ovarian reserve, we are looking at quality and quantity. Our hardest corner to be in is when we are suffering from low quality and low quantity. Okay. You have good quantity, but mm-hmm. we're still going to fight that quality issue because your, your eggs are 44 years old because they've been around a year longer than you have. Okay. And so... When we create those embryos, and I would really encourage you to do PGT testing, the chromosome testing on your embryos, realize that probably 80% of the embryos you create are chromosomally abnormal. So you have an advantage over other women who are 43 because most women who are 43 are going to get maybe one or two embryos to be biopsied and 80% of... Maybe, 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 yeah. maybe, maybe not. 80% <laughs> I'm of say, those are, that's optimistic. That's optimistic. Yeah. And 80% of those are going to be abnormal. 
you've got great ovarian reserve. So hopefully you have a larger number that actually make it to the biopsyable stage. But this is another part of kind of knowing what your expectations are. Understand what I'm saying is even if you got 10 embryos to be biopsied, which is really, really, really rare in anyone, much less somebody that's 43, that means we would only maybe expect to have two normals. And each chromosomally normal embryo has probably about a 70% chance, 60 to 70% chance of going on to make a baby. So you've, you've got a lot of things ahead of you, um, but we've definitely seen it work. And I can say like all of us are, are very like forthright in that we want you to be hopeful, but we want you to be appropriately hopeful. So you, you know what, what to expect as you're going along in this journey. Exactly. Perfect. All right. So moving on to today's topics, we are going to do um, myths about having sex and getting pregnant and having a boy versus a girl. (laughs) And so um, we are going to start out with just a, uh, a couple of easy ones. So first of all, you can eat specific foods to increase your libido, true or false. So these are things like oysters, chocolate, champagne, um, insert every popular uh, type of Valentine's Day food in particular you can think of. What do you think? True or false? You can eat well, if you drink enough champagne, I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care what else you eat, whether you eat oysters or whatever. If you drink enough champagne, yes, but probably not. Foods probably don't really increase your libido. What would you All say, right. Susan? I I would agree. I would say it's more of a, and, and actually to counter Abby, high, high alcohol content actually can decrease performance. Well, performance, yeah. Increased desire, in the men. Increased desire. But, in the men. Increased desire, but decreased performance. Yeah. Exactly. They can no longer rise to the occasion. <laughs> there, there's probably a balance in that. And yes. so, you know, the, the, the things that we're talking about, oysters and chocolates and and champagne and different things like that. I I think it, you know, there may be a tiny lit, little bit of biochemical, you know, serotonin release or something that makes you feel good and those types of things, but probably not enough that it's actually going to have a huge impact. What are your thoughts, Carrie? Um, so I agree. I don't, I don't really think that there's anything. I think there is something to be said for you know, a little bit of alcohol can decrease inhibitions. And so maybe that will help on the flip side. Too much works against your greater good there. Um, things like chocolate, you know, yes, you can see vasodilation. And so sure, you can relax and potentially that could help. But I think I think with the number of people who eat chocolate on a regular basis in this country, <laughs> that is probably not true. Probably um, not. Oysters, I frankly do not understand at all because if if eating snot made you feel horny, then new parents everywhere dealing with their kids' snot and all of the whatever that goes around with it would have the highest sex rates ever. And that has never been proven to be true. And in fact, the opposite is. So I don't really understand how eating a snotty oyster can help, but that is totally my bias of I am not an oyster girl. So the only thing I can find in my big internet search is that they say that Casanova, the French adventurer slash womanizer, Used to eat fifty oysters a day. Perhaps that perhaps that's what helped him get the lady. So that's 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 the basis for oysters. And to that end, my college roommate was a health education major, and they had and she had to take a class on 
like different types of sewer systems, different types of trash cans. And one of the things that they learned that made me never want to eat an oyster again, and I don't think I've eaten one since, is that oysters are the best natural sewage treatment plant in the ocean. They take all this crap in, grind it all up, and it comes all out. And so when you're eating oysters, that's what you're eating. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Never again. <laughs> so so I did find that oysters, um, the zinc in oysters may increase testosterone levels. Oh, okay. And help maintain healthy levels of dopamine. Okay, but well, there you go. I would say that that like slight increase in testosterone is probably not clinically significant. Have that much impact. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dopamine's good. It's it makes us feel like relaxed, happy, and content. So again, yeah. um, probably not something you couldn't achieve other ways. <laughs> That's right. All right. Next one. If you raise your hips after sex you will have a higher chance of conceiving because presumably because the sperm is going to get where it needs to go faster, more efficiently, more of it, those types of things. True or false? Probably false. I mean, unless it just all comes right out. At least it didn't, if it doesn't get all the way up to the top of the vagina, maybe that's an issue, but probably not because there have been studies that have shown that sperm um, can be seen in a female's body cavity within 30 minutes after sex, meaning the sperm swims all the way up through the reproductive tract and can be found in the peritoneal cavity, the body cavity. Um, furthermore, the pH of, the, of a woman's vagina is such that sperm is generally killed pretty quickly um, if it stays in there for very long. So probably after you know, a certain amount of time, less than, less than 30 minutes, probably the sperm dies in the vagina. So The winners are going to get there fast. And it's, That's it's right. crazy fast how fast those little sperm can go. And crazy fast. I realize they're microscopic. I know people are always like, how does it do that? I mean, they're just, it's amazing. But it's again, amazing. it takes millions of them to have that <laughs> one do its job right. So um, yeah, I would I would say myth, it, you know, it's it's one of those things that's probably not going to hurt anything, but it's probably not going to help. So the corollary of that is if you stand up immediately after having sex, that you will not get pregnant. True or false? False, false because they... Uh. They swim fast. Fast. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, next one. Boxers versus briefs may make a difference in conceiving. True or false? Probably false. However, the basis for that is, it makes sense. There's biologic plausibility. The basis for that is anything that heats the testes up. And presumably, if your guy's wearing really tight briefs, it can bring the testes up close to the body and it can increase the temperature of the testes. And so... I think probably, unless the briefs are real tight, it probably didn't make a big difference. However, I have seen some men that keep their computer on their lap, and it sort of does the same thing. It heats the testes up, and it's lowered their sperm count. Um, I've had men that are patients who were big-time bicyclers, and they bicycled or, or cycled a bunch, and their testes got irritated from the friction or heated up from the friction, and it killed the sperm. And then, of course, hot tubs, same thing with hot tubs. Hot tubs and saunas. Yeah, any saunas. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I hate saunas. So anything that heats the testes up, and I actually, I one time had a police officer too that had um, like really a tight uniform and a tight belt, and he kept his lap, his computer on his lap some too. Um, it probably pulled his testes up closer to his body, heated it, heated it up, and and it doesn't it doesn't hurt sperm production, but it just can kill sperm. Sperm have a certain you know 
temperature that they're perfect at and they live and survive. And if they're heated up at all, they, they die. So have you seen improvements after someone has gotten a larger pant size or broken <laughs> between well, their Well, I haven't laptop. really done the research, but I know in some of the cycler, when he stopped cycling, his sperm count got a lot better. So in hot hmm. tubs, I've seen that too. When guys get out of the hot tubs, don't go back for three months, we see improvement in their sperm counts. But I haven't done that, the research on the breeze versus the boxers. How about you? So... I- Go ahead, oh, Carrie. Go ahead, Susan. I was going to say, it probably doesn't make that much difference. I think all those other things that Abby mentioned probably have a whole lot more, you know, accountability. You know, the male body was made a certain way for a reason. And the testes are meant to be at a lower temperature than the internal cavity of the body. And so, you know, keeping keeping them cool is probably better. And, you know, I, I see a lot of it when, with my couples that they're trying to figure out everything that they can possibly do to help potentially improve. It's something that that's an easy chain for most people. And so if you want to do that, that's fine. But if for some reason you can't, um, then it's probably not the end of the world. Um, but if you also, if you're, if the, another thing is, is a lot of times, um, or at least not a lot of times, sometimes men wear briefs because it's uncomfortable and they're having pain. And that could actually be a sign of something else going on. And if that's the reason you're choosing to wear briefs instead of boxers, you might want to be evaluated by a fertility urologist to make sure that there's not something structural that's co- contributing to your fertility challenges as a couple. Agreed. All right. So that actually answers one of the next ones, which is hot tubs and bicycling and saunas impact sperm uh, production and development. And so the answer to that one, as we've just talked about, is a resounding true. Yes. Um, because yes. all those things can can make an impact. And and like Susan said, the the testicles are descended from the body so that you have more temperature control. And when when you mess that up in one way or the other, it can see you can see an effect from that. All right. It has next one. It has to be really hot sex to get pregnant, including everyone having an orgasm. No, not true. As long as sperm is in the vagina, that's the only part that counts. That's the only part that matters from a reproductive standpoint, actually. And and to be technical, I mean, we've all as physicians had patients who got pregnant using quote the pullout method. Yeah. So, you know. Even before a man ejaculates, there is usually some deposition right. of sperm. And mm-hmm. so technically, I would say neither have to. You're obviously going to have better odds if he has an orgasm. And as wonderful as it is to have an orgasm, unfortunately, it's not necessarily for women to achieve pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Not, not a requirement for women. Um, and, and like Susan said, pull and pray method is not foolproof. And we've all had plenty of patients who have gotten pregnant that way yeah. in the past. The joke is when somebody uses that method, what do you call them? A parent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So next one, timing. Timing intercourse impacts whether or not you have a boy or a girl. So what's the, um, what's the theory behind this, this myth? Why sperm? Because they have less genetic material in them, theoretically travel faster. And so they may get to the egg more quickly. Is that kind of mm-hmm. what y'all? Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would yeah. think. Yeah. 
So if you have sex the day of ovulation versus having sex like two to three days in advance, if you have it on the day of ovulation, those faster sperm will get there first. So you'll have a boy. If you have it a couple of days before, the girls, the girls have a chance. The girls will last <laughs> girls. longer and have more stamina. And so they are more resilient. And so they will predominate in that scenario. I don't think the data actually supports it more than, I mean, no. we, what we know in our world is even when we're doing IVF, male babies versus female babies, there's about a half of it's kind of male babies, I think is like 50.5% and female babies is 49.5%. To me, that's essentially a 50-50 chance. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's great evidence to support that. And if you do want gender selection, I would recommend IVF with EGTA. <laughs> yeah. And to that end too, just to tell our patients that I got a question about this just last week. There used to be a center that would actually do cell sorting and they would sort mm -hmm. sperm and they would tell you, and I can't remember the statistics, something like an 80% chance if you want a boy, they can give you boy sperm and something like maybe a 50, 60% chance if you want a girl, they can give you girl sperm. And that was, they. I think they did flow cytometry to separate the sperm or something like that. And um, they don't do that anymore because I think most people now, if they want to have a they really feel that strongly about gender than they do IVF and do, you know, check the embryos for the, the gender. There historically <laughs> was some um, testing that you could do under um, UV light, but quite frankly, exposing your gametes to um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think radiation probably yeah. like not genetically good. is not a, a great idea. So yeah. again, if you want to do it safe, smart, and have the best odds of getting what you desire for whatever reason, IVF with PGTA. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the the other half of that myth is that there are certain foods that you can eat that impact boy or girl. Like if you eat, I think it's the the dairy cheese type uh, eggs type phenomenon, you get girls, whereas if it's really um, salty or red meat, you can get boys. There's not like changing your cervical mucus or something. I was going to say that have to be that have know. to be the men doing that, wouldn't it? Because they're the ones that control X or Y sperm. We just make our X's our one and only X. Yeah. Um, I I have never seen any kind of satisfactory explanation for that one. <laughs> Which applies to most of this, but um, okay, so next one. If you have a hymen, you are a virgin. Mm, True, I, false, sort of. I mean, the hymen is one of those things that people get really kind of wrapped up in sometimes. You know, as gynecologists, and you guys would probably agree, sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't, sometimes it's real obvious, sometimes it's not. So there's no way that I could say, oh, she's not a virgin or she is a virgin because of the way her hymen looks. And I can't remember, what was your exact question? If you have a hymen, you are a virgin. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it, basically the hymen is a ring of tissue inside kind of the outer tissue that you can feel, it's just a ring of tissue. And again, sometimes it can be a thickened ring. Sometimes it's not obvious at all. So. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and even if you do have a hymen, like let's say you have a, an abnormal hymen that is super, super thick and you can't actually penetrate it, you could still potentially have sex in other orifices. So you're not necessarily a virgin there either. Um, all right. So next one, you, you need to have sex every other day, excuse me, every day in order to conceive. Not true. So how often can it be? So sperm that get up into the uterine cavity can survive up 72 hours. Okay. So Every three days, at least, I usually recommend every other day if they're trying on their own, just because that gives you some leeway in case 
you know, having to perform on command is not always the easiest thing ever. (laughs) And so, um, you know, especially this being our our Valentine's Day episode, um, I think we're going to talk just a little bit about, um, you know, things to kind of shake things up a little bit. But, um, you know, saying we have to have sex every day or even every other day can be can be a lot. It can be a big strain on the relationship and puts a lot of pressure on the guys. And so if you say every other day and things don't work out one day, then you still have leeway of another day that you can try again. And so I think that gives you the flexibility and good good sperm exposure no matter when you ovulate, realizing that when you ovulate, your egg is only good for about 12 hours. So if you haven't done anything and you don't have intercourse until after you've actually ovulated, missing that window can be very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I would say about that too, there's a really old study and I just looked at this a couple of days ago because I'm going to give a talk to primary care doctors. And there's a really old study in the New England Journal that that was really, is actually a very well done study. And it looked at like urinary um, excretions of different sex hormones in women and had women track, uh, keep their urine every single day. And basically what the, the examiners were doing, they were looking to figure out when a woman ovulated and they were also looking at when they had their last episode of intercourse. And in a very small percentage, now this is not common, but a very small percentage of women could have sex up to five days prior to ovulation to get mm-hmm. pregnant. It was much closer within a day or two of ovulation. But the day after, like Susan said, you're done. The egg, the egg lasts for 24 hours. And if you have sex much after that, you don't get pregnant. So I thought that was really interesting that sperm in some situations rarely could last up to five days in the female reproductive tract. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next myth, holding off ejaculation for three to four weeks before trying to conceive makes for <laughs> more and better sperm. No. 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 What we do those sperm look like? Stuff. So sperm that are stored up for longer than seven days start breaking down and create chemicals that can actually harm the remaining good sperm. And so, you know, storing up the guys for, for you, know, you know, sometimes storing up the guys for a couple of days, good idea. Storing up the Did guys not. for three to four weeks, bad idea. No. You're, you're like shooting yourself in the foot or the uterus. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to say it. All right. And the last myth that I have for us is going to take us back to our teenage years. You can get pregnant from a toilet seat, a pool or hot tub, or from oral sex. True or false? No, you can't, but you can get sexually transmitted diseases from oral sex. (laughs) You can't get pregnant from that or from any other for toilet seats or pools or whatever. Mm -hmm. Any other orifices, anything like that. So, all right. So those are the myths that I had. Are there any that I left out that I should have included? Because I, I feel like I got all the big ones. Pineapple and the, french fries. How can I forget pineapple? Pineapple, pineapple and McDonald's french fries. Every, pineapple's everywhere. What's the deal about french fries? I heard about that, but I don't know what that one is exactly. That they make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is my patients like to go get them after embryo transfer, and I'm like, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I thought for Wendy... I'd vote for Wendy's French fries any day of the week over McDonald's, but just my own opinion. I think the theory behind pineapple is that there's an enzyme in there that breaks membranes down. So particularly, you know, think about it. If you've eaten a whole bunch of pineapple, how raw your mouth feels afterwards. <laughs> I think the thought is if you eat enough of them, it, it helps to break down part of the lining and improves implantation. Um, never seen any any verification of that, but 
but I think that's the theory behind the pineapple. You know, snacking on pineapples better than a lot of things that would rather be snacking on. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a good healthy fiber. snack. Good. Yeah. 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 I'd rather pineapple than Oreos, but yeah. Yeah. For my patients, <laughs> I would rather have, pie, uh, rather have the Oreos. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I hope that everyone has a fantastic Valentine's Day. And um, to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week for more. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, uh, or let us know on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, how we're doing. Stop on by, say hello. You, you can, can also, also visit us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can also visit us on fertility.sensensor.com to submit specific questions. All questions will be answered on our Ask the Podcast section. Um, we'd love to hear episode ideas. We also want to know, we want to hear from you on Instagram and Facebook. So keep in touch. We'd love to hear from you. As always, this podcast is intended for entertainment and is not a substitute for medical advice from your own physician. Okay, we'll see y'all soon. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. This podcast is also brought to you by Fertility Pharmacy of America. Fertility Pharmacy of America is a fertility dedicated pharmacy that partners with physicians across the country in order to provide patients with a more personalized pharmacy experience. Pride ourselves on ensuring that every prescription is accurate, delivered in a timely manner, and most importantly, affordable for all patients. A team of trained pharmacists, technicians, and customer service representatives will be with you every step of the way, providing you with knowledge and exceptional quality care for all of your fertility medication needs. More than just a specialty pharmacy, they're a committed partner during your fertility journey. Fertility Pharmacy of America, making miracles happen every day. Please text or call us at 844-449-8767 and reference Fertility Docs Uncensored.